Hey, just a quick warning for everyone. This uh, episode has some uh, descriptions of uh, violence and uh, uh, brief descriptions of sexual violence. Uh, nothing graphic, but uh, I do discuss it in the uh, reference to two novels. So if that's going to um, uh, be something that's not going to be a thing you want to listen to, uh, that is completely okay. And this is your uh, content warning for the episode. Thank you for listening. funny things about having a regular schedule is that uh, when I don't have a guest uh, in a particular week, I have a show that is just me. Um, and it's not a bad thing necessarily because I've been doing a bit of reading, um, which is new for me in a certain way. Uh, not new, but a, a, a kind of like uh, throwback nostalgic sort of thing for me. As you know, probably. Um, I have a PhD in English and to do that, I, you know, went to school for about like 13 years and I was an English major and then an English MA and then an English PhD candidate through all of that. And as a result, basically all I did was read, right? Um, especially in the last few years of the PhD, they have you do these things called comprehensive exams. You read long lists of books. Uh, it's great. It's really a, it's a, it's a mostly fun experience, honestly. Um, way more fun than the dissertation, I got to tell you. Uh, but then you write, read, yeah, sorry, you write the dissertation as well. And, uh, the dissertation ends up being like a, uh, a massive part of your life. And you write a massive, like 150 page, 200, 250 page thing, um, that requires a lot of reading. And at the end of it, like the last thing you want to do is read. Most people get into writing or I'm sorry, taking English major because they, uh, they like to read, right? They like to read and they like to write. Um, and what I always tell my students is like at the end of your English major, or if you, you know, heaven forfend, you get a PhD, um, you'll hate reading and writing. Uh, so I've sort of built back writing a little bit. I don't hate it anymore. Um, reading just like, it, it's been tough. It's been really hard. Um, and so, uh, you know, I've read here and there, I'm not like totally illiterate, but, uh, I finally like picked up a book and got through it and sort of devoured it the same way I used to. And so that was a good feeling. Um, and the book was actually recommended by a friend of the podcast and someone whose Patreon episode I'll be putting out this week uh, and who was on the show. I think he was last week, Sean was on, um, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Electricity, Sean McTiernan, um, recommended me a book by someone named Dennis Cooper uh, called The Sluts. And uh, Cooper's work – so like Sean – prefaced this and like gave me all the warnings in the world uh, in saying that Cooper's work, particularly the sluts is a like deeply uh, kind of like messed up, not messed up, but like it's an extreme experience to read. And, and it is, it's like, it's very sexual in sort of like a very unpleasant way. Um, sort of like if you've read, um, uh, this is a bad example, but not so bad in terms of like how it might make you feel. Um, if you've read uh, Cronenberg, if you've read, not Cronenberg, sorry, um, J.G. Ballard's, Cronenberg made the movie, J.G. Ballard's Crash, um, it's sort of like that. Like the the sort of like sexuality in there is violent and visceral uh, more than it is meant to like arouse. Um, 
It also takes place almost entirely, it's an experimental novel, both in form and in content, and that we'll get back to that. It takes place almost entirely on the sort of like internet message board um, slash review site for escorts, right? Um, gay, gay male escorts. Um, so that's the point of the book, and, and it, it's sort of like, I won't give anything away because like, not that there's spoilers necessarily, but like talking about the plot of the book in some ways gets gets away from the point of it. Um, but the book is a thriller in a certain way. It's about this one escort named Brad and sort of like who he is, where he goes. It's this person of like total fascination of like many people want to like kill him or hurt him. Uh, some people want to rescue him and like who he is and the kind of idea of him and stuff like that is super important in the in the book. Um but like this sort of like sense of of who Brad is, right, um, is what the book is about. And, and there's this great line at the end of it where effectively, um, you know, all the sort of like layers of who this person is have been peeled away. And I mean, it's gotten extremely violent. We, we just heard that the person who we think is meant to be Brad has uh, taken on a client who um, I forget if this is th- th- either like broken his legs or castrated him. It's a very violent, right? Um but the the um, I better put a content warning at the top of this one. Uh, the the whole point of this scene, right? The whole point of uh, this moment in the text, this sort of like high climax of violence, is that it's cut with this email from who we find out is the real Brad, the Brad from sort of like the beginning of the book, and he says, "This guy's not me." Um, you know, ultimately, I'm like kind of this. I'm this other guy, right? Like I'm I'm this total other guy. And the guy who's sort of been pimping out the new Brad says, yeah, look, like Brad, this guy, right, this guy that everyone wants to, to date or kill or hurt or whatever is an idea. It's more an idea than anything. Like you all have this idea of Brad and I, I wanted to build and, 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 and nourish that idea. But it turns out that idea is maybe even better without Brad. Like that idea is just like good as an idea, as a, a sort of like platonic ideal, right? Um, and then the book ends, uh, spoilers for, well, it, we don't actually need to talk about the ending of the book because it, it the, to put it very simply, the ending of the book undercuts the last bit of it. And the guy who was um, doing all the work basically says, like, yeah, I made a bunch of it up. Now, whether or not you believe him, that's another big thing. Everyone in the book is an unreliable narrator. <laughs> Every single person you hear from can't be trusted. Um, there are almost certainly horrible atrocities being committed and almost certainly people living out things that are not actually happening. And it is never made clear. Um but this last moment where he's like, yeah, I made up a lot of it, right? I made up a lot of it. This guy is like, I really you know, screwed up this guy. We broke his legs and stuff, but he got out, whatever. Um, and he says basically, you know, like I try to do a good job and I tried to give you guys the story that you wanted to have, but like I couldn't quite do it. And it ultimately ends in this really depressing way, right? Where like there's no lesson, there's no moral, there's no sort of – reverie or revelation it is just about these people who have this like kind of awful fantasy and you the reader are at the very end of the book when you're reading the the denouement you're sort of realizing you know i'm kind of there too like i I sort of expected this to end in some sort of like really really sort of like giallo you know blood-soaked murder um and the fact that it doesn't is like in your mind if you start to think of it as a disappointment that last moment where they're like, yeah, I hope this isn't too much of a disappointment that it wasn't real. Um, the character in the book saying it, you catch yourself and you're like, well, why did I think that was the natural conclusion? All of this? Why did I think that was like the way this was supposed to end? It's Cooper calling out the reader at the same point. Right. But not in like a really, you know, mean spirited way. He writes the book too. There's a lot of relish here. 
Um, and so it's this really complicated piece, right? It's, it's a piece of experimental fiction. Um, and I mean experimental both, of course, in form and, as I say, in content. You know, like, the, the, the experiment in form is, is kind of obvious uh, in that it's written, you know, via message boards and stuff like that. Um, and in 2004, that was, like, very much cutting edge and still, like, reads, you know, very much like a unique novel to me anyway. Um, the, the, um, the experimental, uh, content, however, I think needs a little more unpacking. Um, and to sort of tie it into one thing and to, before I kind of like pivot, uh, screechingly into games is, um, there's this, uh, quote, uh, Sean actually shared with me from one of my favorite authors, uh, Kathy Acker talking to, to Cooper and both of them were, were very involved in the sort of experimental queer literature scene in New York. Um, Acker, of course, uh, I don't think, I think unless she passed away in 2005, but I think she passed away in 1995. Let me, let me look. Um, I will look it up, but uh, Acker, Acker was a reader of, um, Cooper's and Cooper, it seems was a, a fan of Acker. Yeah. She died in 97. So she was not around for the, for the publication of this novel. Um, but Acker is the only person I can think of who is at all, um, comparable to uh, Cooper in just like the the visceral like kind of like nausea of what they write, how it hits you, how you're sort of like like cringing as you're reading through these descriptions of just like atrocity, right? Like when will this end? This is like this is so brutal. When is this going to stop? Kind of feeling, right? And of course, this is experimental in its own right. You're writing a novel that is not appealing. Uh, up top, it's not intending to appeal. It's not trying to bring people in. It is repellent. Um, but also like it is this sort of expression of a kind of, um, forbidden taboo, uh, um, other, uh, you know, outside, um, uh, fetishization of the body that is also like everyone in both Acker and Cooper's novels is always saying that it's a celebration of the body. Now, I think this quote is kind of interesting because it sort of indicates where that, um, similarity diverges. So this is from, um, this is from sort of a, a, an article about, um, Cooper talking to Acker. Um, I should find out who wrote this and put it in the show notes. I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, he writes, or the person writes, I said he, cause I thought it was Cooper for a second. The author of this article, uh, writes with a bluntness characteristic of her correspondence with her peers in her letter to Cooper, Acker admits that, quote, although your poetry is clear and beautiful, the sameness of themes and the theme itself puts me off. So Cooper also wrote poetry. Um, she was nevertheless sufficiently intrigued to offer some astute observation about Cooper's work and what she called the, quote, pervasive anonymity of his writing. Quote, the reader is introduced to a number of characters who lack faces, innocence, depth of feeling. The only thing definite about most of them is their thirst for physicality. Whether they're all seeking an intimacy that is beyond them, or even trying to regain something through all the sex, innocence, parenthesis, it's difficult for me to sympathize or identify with them because there's so little insight into what motivates them. Cooper immediately composed a long and appreciative re reply in response to Acker's challenging critique, parentheses, which also demanded to know if Cooper foresaw a time, quote, when you will feel that sex in your writing will have outrun its usefulness or relevance, end quote. An ironic remark, considering the extent to which Acker would mine that particular vein. Very true. Quote, Cooper says, I think you understand the work very well in many ways, he began. The unfulfillingness of the sex, the lack of motivation, etc., all that is there and intentional. 
And so like it's this it's this intentionality of emptiness, right? That is so crucial to Cooper. And and in Acker, you get this sort of sense of it, it's not necessarily like there's a um there's not emptiness, right? Like there's a, there's there's you know sexual violence, there's you know extreme uh, sexuality, there is, you know, pornographic, uh, writing, there's, uh, sort of weird literary diversions, plagiarism, um, adaptation, all sorts of stuff, right? She plays with all the, all sorts of this stuff, much of which ends up being, as I say, repellent, um, hopeless, scary, troubling, traumatic, right? Um, but Cooper is like, at the end of the day, his point is that there's nothing to any of it, right? The body's a body. The idea of Brad is the important thing. The body of Brad ends up meaning nothing at all. Whereas Acker argues in her work, and I wrote about this in my dissertation. If anyone wants to read that, just message me. I'll send it to you. Um, uh, it's probably not very good, but it's not bad either. Um, I'm proud of my work on Acker, though, because Acker has this really interesting thing she says where she says, uh, you know, politics in the end is found within the body or is located in the body, which on its face feels like this very sort of identitarian uh, second wave feminism sort of thing, bra burning kind of like um, simplistic politics. But ultimately it's like this really challenging thing, right? Wherein the self is like fully materialized and where nothing else is when you sort of like get down to the meat of the body, politics resides there, which is to say like at core, once everything is stripped away, that's when you find sort of the potential for change or growth or progressivism or revolution or whatever you want to say, right? The trick is for Cooper, once you get down to the bottom, that's it. There's nothing else there. You just like the closest you get to a satisfied customer in this book is the guy who whose fantasy is to break Brad's legs. And he, he does, right? He does. And he says, I feel great. I just feel great. I finally did it. I feel great. That's a horrible thing, right? Like it's just it's a it's a totally, you know, grotesque thing. And it is it's this feeling of grotesquerie that is the only benefit you can get out of the whole book. Or not your personal benefit, but it's the only good thing you can kind of like see the characters feeling in the book. Still, it's a brilliant novel and it's like this 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 wonderful meditation on the darker ends of like fascination of obsession of like uh voyeurism of following a fantasy things like that right and both acker and cooper are you know some of my favorite authors at this point right now um acker's been, you know one of my favorite authors uh cooper i've only read the one book but i'm certainly intending to read more and you know like both of their work is extremely experimental. And one of the things I'm just kind of wondering about, I know it's like 15 minutes into a 30-minute episode, but one of the things I'm starting to wonder about, and the reason I wanted to make this solo episode, is I'm th I was thinking about, you know, where is the experimental video game in this, right? Like, why don't we have these kinds of challenging games? We have some, like, kind of interesting games like this, right? Cruelty Squad is the one that people are playing a lot of right now. Um, and 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 if we go to the description of Cruelty Squad, right? Um, do 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 cruelty squad I'm doing this a little bit more extempore than usual um, an immersive power fantasy simulator with tactical stealth elements set in a sewage infused garbage world um, and it's like it's it's supposed to be sort of like Rainbow Six it's supposed to be very much like a, a kind of like um, 
uh, satir- you know, satirical kind of thing. It's meant to be like, you know, nauseating and weird and have some sort of like, um, commentary, things like that. Right. Um, you know, PC gamer says cruelty squad feels like a dangerous exe that came secretly attached to a free trial of sketchy antivirus software. Um, the first video game with the entire cycle of abuse included Milsim dev, um, cruelty squad. They say in the, uh, in the, um, Description is a tactical first-person shooter set in the hardcore gig economy of corporate liquidations. You're an emotionally dead combat substance-fueled grunt of Cruelty Squad, a depraved subsidiary company tasked with performing wet works for its host conglomerate. Will you make the corporate archdemon as proud or succumb to bitter tears of failure? So, like, Cruelty Squad is probably the closest we're going to get to this sort of, like, experimental work in in a kind of, like, popular game. There's also games like uh, New Ice Ice York, where like, which I've covered on the show before, where it is like the the work itself is experimental. There's Ready Player Fuck, which is like completely weird and experimental in its own right. Uh, but this kind of like um, this kind of aggressiveness, this sort of um, disdain for the reader, the, the the rejection of pleasure from the reader, right, always makes these games parenthetical or um, with an asterisk, right. So Ready Player Fuck, people will say, well, it's not really a game, right? Like, it's sort of like it's it's a statement. It's not a game. It's a statement. Um, New Ice York, same thing. Uh, you're basically walking around. Visual novels, right? Visual novels. Are they games? Are they books? Um, they're visual novels. They're, they're they're neither. Like, you can read a visual novel or play a visual Like, you can say whatever you want about a visual novel, but it sort of exists in this parallel world to video games. Um, you know, video games as one would expect them. Uh, and I don't have much more to say about that because I'm still working through my first uh, many visual novels and trying to get a handle on that. That's my project for this year. But um, and there are many, many, many people online who can tell you more about that in much smarter ways than I can. Um, but the you know, like and, and something like Cruelty Squad is like a tactical shooter, but it's not really a tactical shooter, right? Like it's a tactical shooter. Wink, wink, wink. Um, that's satirical. Wink, wink, wink. Um, and if it has good like mechanics or whatever, people will say, wow, this game is smart and has good mechanics. Incredible. Um, but it's not Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six is a video game. This is like, this is like a statement, right? And so like, why no one's going to say that about the sluts or blood and guts in high school, which is my favorite Acker novel or great expectations. Another wonderful Acker novel. No one's going to say about these novels that they're not quite novels, right? These are experimental novels. They're novels qua novels. So you're not going to get any sort of like argument about the medium specificity of the novel within Acker and Cooper. Um, you will absolutely get an argument as to whether or not Ready Player Fox is a, uh, is a uh, video game or whether Cruelty Squad counts as like a video game or whether um, a visual novel counts as a video game or Walking Simulator counts as a video game or like an experimental game counts as a video game. Uh, Duhana, uh, which is like a, a, a fantastic and interesting game, um, is like sort of an RPG and sort of not. Um, so like, are they video games? Are they not video games? I don't really care about the answer to that, but why is the question being asked? That's sort of where I'm wondering, where I'm falling here. Why is the question being asked? And I think the reason is simply because video games as a medium rely on the recognition of a reader, right? Cooper's work, and this is actually a lot of what the book's about. So if you know when you read, if if you if you read the book and when it comes out, uh, you'll see a bit of this. 
But video games require this reception from their audience. That's something like the Sluts, Cooper's book, doesn't require, right? You can read that whole book, and if you get to the end and say, this repulsed me, I hate it. Or if you say, I love this book, and it gave me a ton to think about. Or if you think, like, wow, what an amazing, like I did, what an amazing sort of, like, exploration of what counts as um, aesthetic and material in terms of fantasy, right? Like, all of these reactions are perfectly plausible. The novel doesn't need those reactions. The novel exists whether or not you react to it or not. The video game, on the other hand, as we understand it, as this sort of, like, uh, and this is not a, you know, I'm not, this is not a mic drop moment. This is not something like I'm, I'm, I'm ultra proud of observing, but the video game is like a, um, it requires some sort of feedback from its player. It requires you to recognize it, to sort of recognize the fact that it's, um, a thing, a thing in the world, like a thing that actually exists and, uh, is speaking to you and interpolating you and you need to respond to it in order for it to work. Right. So like, there's this sense of function in response that is not there for the novel. And so if I don't need to respond, if I'm playing a visual novel or reading a visual novel, it doesn't really matter if I respond. I'm essentially turning pages, right? I'm turning pages in a slightly different way. It doesn't so much matter if I'm there or not. Now, if I'm playing Dark Souls, completely matters, right? If I'm playing Rainbow Six, completely matters. These are, you know, video games, qua video games, they require some sort of response. So why is that important? Why can't we have experimental video games then? We'll talk about that uh, right after this. Okay, thanks. So the reason I think we can't have experimental video games, or the reason that it's so tricky, right, is this response issue, but also this issue of having to sort of like embody the history of games in any game that you produce, right? In any game that is trying to do something new, there has to be the sort of like recognition that they know what a video game is. Take even something like I, and I don't, you know, I'll, I'll take it from someone that I haven't really like built up some sort of like parasocial relationship with um, uh, in terms of experimental games. Take like, um, oh, what's a good example? Um, well, take New Ice York, right? New Ice York understands that you know what video games are. And it tells you what understands that because like there's a detective and there's a punching scene and there's like a chase scene and, oh, you know, like, hey, get over here. Like your health points are running out or whatever. And then it, you know, it subverts that, right? It's all about subversion. But like it recognizes, it says like, yeah, okay. Like we know that you know what a video game is, right? So play along, just, you know, the, the rest is sort of like gonna be experimental and strange. And interesting, like I, none of these games are uninteresting. What I'm interested in is not saying like why these games don't work. Cause I think all the games I listed in the experimental arm work. Um, I'm willing to stand by and fight for those games. The, 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 the tricky thing is why they don't work um, instinctively as like video games, right? As that particular medium. Um, and I think the, the, the reason again is again, response. Uh, some of them don't care if you respond. Like the, I'm playing the silver case right now. doesn't matter if I respond in the silver case. I can play that game just clicking the old mouse. Um, if I'm playing it, trying to beat it, I promise you it will be quite easy. Uh, reading it and understanding it, something quite different. Um, but that, like, that lack of interactivity, sure, maybe that's one thing. Um, but I think the other thing is that like these games have to respond until you they know what video games are because video games are 
always reminding you of this, right? They're always reminding you like, hey, this is a video game. Here's how it works. This is like, this is, this is how this, um, this genre works. Do you, have you forgotten? Do you want us to remind you? Um, in this game, you're going to be pressing the triangle button. Haha, ha, we all know it's the triangle. Like, this is like the Kojima thing, right? Like, oh, the triangle button. And then like, you know, a, a, a sort of like um, gym face to the camera saying like, yeah, the triangle button. What's that thing? Um, but always, right? Like, you'll be pressing the triangle button. You'll be pressing, you know, forward, backwards. Here, here's how you die. Here's how you progress. Here's how you win. Um, all of these things are reiterated so many times that if you don't include them, you almost certainly can be said not to be making a video game, right? At least not a video game as we understand it. No, no medium that we enjoy at this moment in time is so committed to, you know, those particular genre conventions, those particular medium conventions than the video game. The novel can break out. The novel can not have a beginning and not have an end. The novel can not care about its reader. It can be a, a series of letters. It can be um, an experimental, you know, one day thing. It can be a journal. It can be a, a straightforward novel, but with like a bunch of introductory chapters. And I've just explained four novels. Um, I'm not going to do it in order, but uh, Clarissa, Tom Jones, uh, Tristram Shandy, and um, Robinson Crusoe that were written in the uh, in the 18th century, in the, in the 17th century. Like, this is not like the novel from the get-go was this thing that could be anything, right? And it, it sort of just understood like, hey, we're just going to put a bunch of writing down. The video game, it, you need a win condition. You need a loss condition. You need some sort of health, uh, which indicates, you know, your, your trajectory toward the win or loss condition. And you need some sort of uh, prize, right? Whether or not it's progression in the game, uh, gotcha currency, whatever, right? Um, and so as a result, the fact that you need all these things, right, means that if you don't have those things, if you don't have a win condition, if you don't have some sort of like reward, if you don't have a play loop, right, then what you have produced can't really plausibly be called a video game. Not as we understand it, not in sort of an easy, you know, you walk up to someone on the street, ask them, what's this? And they'll say a video game in the same way that you would walk up in the street and say, what's this? Holding, you know, Cooper's The Sluts. They'd say, well, it looks like a novel. It doesn't look like a novel I want to read, maybe, but looks like a novel. And so that's the reason why, right? Like the the experiment, right? The, the thing that you have to do to experiment is to diverge. And if you can't diverge at all, as I'm arguing, you can't while still making something that is recognizable as quote unquote a video game then you can't make an experimental video game. Now, I don't know if this is an intrans in, in trans, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is an intractable problem. I don't know if it's a problem that anyone should care to fix. I don't know if it matters. I don't think it does matter that there's like that, you know, maybe like um, a visual novel isn't quite a video game. I think we can all just say like, yeah, and move on. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting from like a 30,000 foot view of the medium since, like, there is this angst and this concern and this, like, I, I don't know, like, this feeling that, oh, why, are, why, is, why is no one taking this seriously? Why, why can't we, like, finally get some serious, like, work in here that, that, you know, pushes boundaries and does something different? Because ultimately, like, I don't know, like, the, the only thing you can do to get close to something like Cooper and Acker in a video game is either not produce something that people don't recognize as a video game. Uh, and, and cruelty squad is probably the closest to doing both. Right. But the other thing you could do is just do something like the last of us Two, where you present something that is horrifying and sad 
and then put a gameplay loop around it. And inevitably, people will say, wow, that scene hit me really hard. And also, the gameplay is really fun, which, like, any serious person is going to look at and say, yeah, thing is, that's fine, and I'm glad it was fun, and that's a totally reasonable response. That's not really how experimental art works, right? Like, it doesn't matter if it was fun. It doesn't matter if it was effective. It doesn't really matter about anything. The experimental art confronts you and leaves, right? And a video game that people recognize as a video game can't confront you and leave. It has to welcome you in, tell you the rules, allow you to play, and allow you to win, more importantly. And at the end of the day, if video games can't do that, then we're going to have to think outside of what is typically a video game. And this is like the, the easiest thing to say of all, but hopefully you know, back-ended or front-ended with all my other thoughts, it is a little interesting. We're going to have to think about something that is not sort of like a traditional video game. Um, we're not going to find the sort of like thing we're looking for in experimental work in a typical game. Now, that's not to say we won't find anything interesting. There's plenty of stuff that's interesting in there, and you don't even have to go to The Last of Us 2 to do it. But this sort of like visceral, troubling, uncomfortable, what... Uh, oh, what Sigmund Freud might call the Unheimlich, um, the uncanny, right? Like that is not going to show up in your standard AAA or even like indie games, right? Because to have that, to have that feeling of just like terror and like disorientation and revulsion, you need to not have a sense of where you're going. And game always gives you that from the first because it wants you to respond. It says, hello, right? First thing a game says is, hello. And you have to say, hello back by pressing start, by pressing A, by going through the tutorial screens. The thing that Cooper and Acker's books do not do is greet you. You get in there, it is going already. It doesn't matter if you're there or not. And that, along with any other experimental art that you can think of at this point, which I'm not going to bother with because I'm just going to come up with some bogus things that I'm going to regret naming it later, but maybe I'll do something about visual art or video art or something later. That's the thing that's missing in our understanding of gaming as experimental, right? It has to be something that does not interpolate the player. And right now, video games such as, you know, video games, qua video games, interpolate the player. All right. Well, I hope you liked that little meditation. Um, I feel like I worked something out. Um, hope you did too. And uh, thanks for bearing with me and uh, and and sitting through this with me. I'm, I, I love talking with you guys. So um, I'll see you again uh, soon. We got a patch notes coming out Friday. Uh, big stream this Saturday. Uh, um, if you are listening to this on the twenty fourth, when it was when around when it's coming out, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, twenty seventh, ten to uh, question mark on um, twitch.tv slash no cartridge. So uh, thanks everyone, and uh, I will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.